You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday, which means it's Mental Health Monday. And uh, it's a good day for Mental Health Monday. That's pretty much so every Monday is. But um, it's a great great Monday because you know why? We have the best listeners in radio. They were just amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. Those of you who called in and made or or went online or texted in a gift or mailed in a gift to support KFUO during share this year. It's kind of a a long share kind of starting in April when we normally would have (laughs) share and extending until this past weekend. And uh, you were just outstanding. Uh, reaching our goal, not just reaching our goal, but surpassing our goal for this year. So thank you to the greatest listeners in the world for helping support KFUO. We're at about 116 right now, and I know there are more gifts coming in. The, some of the online gifts uh, are still being tallied into that number. So uh, it, it, that's just, that's outstanding. So thank you, KFUO listeners, for your wonderful support. And speaking of support, we are so grateful for the support of Concordia University, Wisconsin for underwriting the coffee hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time for Mental Health Monday. And uh, this summer, we have such a great theme for Mental Health Monday. So fitting um, for summertime. (laughs) Deacon is Heidi Gaiman. We're talking about play this summer. And today we're going to dig into play and growth. Uh, How do we grow in play? Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Good morning. I find it ironic that last week I like beat the drum hard about how play is purposeless. Like we cannot attach purpose (laughs) to it. And today we're like, but we are going to grow in play. And so I I think we have to shout out that elephant in the room real fast, you know? So it's really (laughs) cool. I think that God gives us both and and so much in life. You know, there's these spaces that are very paradoxical in life. And I think our growth in play is especially one of them, just that we can enjoy and delight in creation and in all that God gives us and not ever grow from it. That's fine with God. Like that our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ, but he gives us more grace. And in those first article gifts, the creation grace of growth I think we see this really clear in play, that there's always some kind of benefit to it. So let's dig in then. What is the, what's the first topic that you Mm -hmm. want to dig into in this area of play? Yeah. So I think one of the most important ones for me and a lot of uh, play scientists, if you will, uh, bring out (laughs) a lot of the same aspects of growth in place. There's about six aspects, but the one that I like to talk about the most is attachment. Um, Probably because I'm a trauma and attachment therapist. It's one of the (laughs) ways that I see people really have a lot of aha moments, if you will. Um, And so attachment is this very early childhood concept that we usually talk about with very small children. But at the same time, we know now from science that attachments heal and, you know, reorient themselves, if you will, throughout the lifespan. And so it's really cool to see how God uh, not only works in our uh, very early lives, even within the womb itself. It's really cool to see what he does in attaching us to our the relationships that we need to keep us alive, uh, both physically, but also emotionally and uh, spiritually. 
But then he also throughout our lives continues that work. And so we know now that it isn't just about the ages of pre-birth to three, that there's more throughout the lifespan. And that's one reason we want to engage in play throughout the lifespan. So do you guys want to hear about attachment? <laughs> I don't know. I yes. feel like I could. Yes. Okay. I could go on about this for a while, so I'll try to keep it brief. But, you know, consider the picture of a father or a mother holding an infant uh, in very early days of life. And, you know, we often do not see them holding that infant and then looking out uh, distracted by other things. That's not the, like, picture we get in our minds. Now, does that happen? Yes, because we all have a million things to do in a day. And sometimes it's, you know, 2 a.m. and we're just staring at a TV or something, just trying to survive early infancy. So I don't want anyone to feel any shame with this attachment discussion. But what we usually picture is them looking down, right, at their infant, looking them in the eyes. Uh, and usually we kind of picture an infant smiling. Um, we might picture them crying out and trying to make their needs known. Uh, but there's usually a connection there, you know, when we picture parenting in very, very early childhood. And so that's a picture of attachment. When we connect in those ways, and you've probably heard the research and different ideas that say that the exact uh, line of sight for an infant is the distance between the mother and the father's chest and uh, their eye contact, uh, that they can see someone clearly. And so there's a lot we know that God works in order to connect us in early childhood. What we forget is that a lot of that has to do with play. You know, so often we might be responding to an infant's needs, but how much of attachment takes place in the elements of like baby talk and, and making up things to say to them or rocking them. Uh, my favorite way to rock an infant is that really large swing where you're going back and forth, you know, to try to calm them mm -hmm. down and all of that good stuff. That's playful for them. That's an aspect of finding their body in space and all of that good stuff. And so in that, our body, when we're looking at them, when we're connecting in some kind of way, especially intentionally, which is the play aspect, uh, we see uh, our bodies release a lot of hormones, uh, a lot of oxytocin, which is that magical love hormone that God gave us. Uh, and you know, these are not things that are perfect because we live in a broken world. And so even our bodies and our ability to attach might be impacted by that. It might be impacted by our relationships when we were a kid. Uh, but God does a lot of cool things with parents who have even had really difficult childhoods once they become a parent. You know, it, it's not always disastrous. A lot of times uh, those are some of the most intentional parents because they know what they want to do differently. Um, so... So those aspects of play that we see in early childhood then come out later. You know, we often enjoy the same uh, quality of relationships, if you will, when we're older that we did have when we were younger. So if you had supportive parents, if you had caregivers who helped you attach and feel cared for and worth worthy, if you will, um, in Christ, that's gonna make a huge difference for your ability to connect in relationships later. Um, so I kind of wonder, you know, just real briefly, do you guys 
have any pictures in your head when I'm talking about this? Do you think of any ways that you attach with a very small infant or with really little kids? I mean, one of my favorite pastimes is cuddling babies. So yes. <laughs> right, right. Well, and you get that part of that is like it's an actual desire because there's some hormone and that doesn't mean it's your own child. And that's one of the most beautiful things I think that God gives us is this extension of what we call family and friendship and especially within the body of Christ, you know, uh, that's really important that attachment to other people and babies being passed around you can almost hear the playful aspects of that where attachment can grow how about you andy yeah. um indescribable uh i don't know how to even describe that like the the whole holding a baby thing and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, don't have, I don't know how to put words to it. There's no words. There's no right. words. Well, part of it is because it is a mystery of God. You know, as much science as there is in it, you know, I love when brain scientists admit that we only know half a percent of what actually happens in our brains and throughout our bodies. And so there's a lot we don't know about it. But part of that is because it's a spiritual thing. God is the one doing the work here in our relationships. And we who know Christ can admit that out loud. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, so I just encourage people, especially with small children, play with them, you know, especially when you feel overwhelmed. You know, that is such a part of early childhood parenting is that overwhelmed feeling, you know, let other people in, let them help you. And also, it's okay to set the baby down for a minute and come back. Uh, it's okay when they're crying and just frustrated for you to make a joke at them like that. Those are attachment movements that you do, uh, even though sometimes that seems kind of counterintuitive. So, so that's a, that's attachment. Enjoy learning about different baby body poses. You know, they do the fencer and all these different things. Uh, those are playful things that are basic uh, intuition for infants. And so, yeah, those are just kind of some fun things. So we could talk, talk about attachment forever, like I said, but play is an important aspect of really getting that oxytocin going and all of that good stuff. So, all right. Are you ready for the next one, you guys? Let's Bring do it. it. On. All right. Movement. Movement is part of play and growth. And so this is, like I said, how we learn our body in space a lot. And so kids are so naturally good at this, so good at it. So kids will hang out upside down on a couch, right? They, they do not sit normally, quote unquote. Every uh, day, every day. Uh, <laughs> this is your life, right? And it's, it's so annoying to adults so often. And I always want to tell them like, no, like they're so smart and you're missing it because their bodies are resetting and tell, you know, your spinal alignment and all of that good stuff. Like kids are their own natural chiropractors and things. Uh, and so let them do that when they move around at the dinner table and drive you crazy. Uh, mm -hmm. Just know that this is part of growth for them. They're learning how their body fits in a room and how it fits in a chair. Um, and it is playful. I think sometimes if we can reframe that, and yes, there's times to sit quietly, but I often even tell people like, I don't believe in kids sitting quietly in church. I believe in them being respectful, 
but the ability to move around a little bit or sit in different places, like um, even on the floor by the pew sometimes for a young child is a powerful thing in helping them know that this is a place of freedom where we still honor God and we still respect God in the space that he's given us. And so really weighing those things is an important part of play and growth spiritually for us. So do you, I'm curious, Andy, at your house, what kind of aspects of movement do you see in play? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, as you were talking about, like hanging over upside down off the couch or wiggling at the table and, and not being able to sit in a chair, but but just finding all kinds of different ways to be a part of dinner, um, <laughs> like not on a chair. Uh, that That's like every day in our household. But as as one talking about movement and play and uh, you're talking about this is a, important for uh, kids to be able to have the freedom to move. And by moving or hanging upside down off the couch, they're actually taking care of their bodies in that way. <laughs> Having studied over the last uh, probably five years now, studied movement and um, exercise, uh, learning that the things like sitting in a chair um, for 20 years, like on a daily basis, <laughs> doesn't actually do all that great for our bodies. Mm -hmm. But if we were more like kids, if we learned to, if, if we learned to move more like kids, our bodies would probably be in better shape mm -hmm. by the time we reach our latter years, we would still be able to move well in our latter years. If we kept moving like kids do, like we were noticing my son the other day playing with, you know, bricks on the floor, like the, you know, Legos and, and, uh, squatting with his knees basically up to his chin. And someone's like, wow, I don't know how he does that. It's like, well, we really kind of learned <laughs> to not do that after a mm -hmm. period of time. It's so good uh, to be able to keep doing that for your body. So, and think about if that does that for your physical body without taking care of your physical body, how that impacts, um, how, as you say, mental health is uh, physical health or physical health is mental health. Taking care mm -hmm. of your physical body makes such an impact on your, your, your your mental health, yeah. mental well-being. And we have to... Uh, Go to break, huh? I know, I know. so it's sorry. Okay. We're only one behind. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about play and growth, and we're going to talk for about four more hours on play and growth because yep. it's fun to, to move and play. But really, we only have like a, another segment. So you're listening to The Coffee Hour. We're talking uh, Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Monday, June 29th, 2020, KFUO Radio celebrates with our day sponsors, John and Lynn Lakomsky of New Athens, Illinois. John and Lynn made a gift to KFUO Radio in thanksgiving to the Lord for the blessing of marriage as they celebrate their wedding anniversary today. Thank you, John and Lynn Lakomsky, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. 
If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. On Monday's Law and Gospel, we will be examining a reading from the passages chosen for the following Sunday with the intent to learn what the verses say about Jesus and also to be comforted with the gospel message of how the life and sufferings of our Lord provide us with both the forgiveness of sins and the robe of righteousness. Listen to Law and Gospel weekday mornings beginning at 9.30 on KFUO. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. We are talking. I'm Sarah Goldseth. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm here too, so Andy. <laughs> I'm Heidi Gaiman. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so excited about Mental Health Monday. Uh, oh yeah. There are other people here too. Anyway, okay. we're talking about play. You aren't feel we? playful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about play. Uh, we talked about detachment, movement. Anything else about movement before we go into the next one? Heidi? No, we're going to talk more about that one, especially with play and adults later in the summer. And so we'll kind of connect what we said about early childhood and play with movement to the adult aspects that you just brought up, Andy. So I think that'll be a good episode for people to tune into. All right. So what do we have next on the list? Problem solving. Problem solving. So this is one aspect of play that teachers really love because this is where kids learn how to be people really, you know, and, and that really goes into our next one, which is social understanding. So maybe we'll combine those, but a lot of play is very imaginative and number one, we do it alone. And so that helps us kind of understand that we are independent, that we can solve things on our own, that we can figure things out. There's a lot of engineering kind of play where we have these magnet tiles and the kids can do anything with them. Mm. And you can also follow an instruction book if you want and find out how to make things out of it. So those they learn different aspects. Yeah, yeah I know. Right? <laughs> it's like, I thought they made those for Heidi. I don't know. Yeah, those are super fun. Same thing with playing house. When I was a kid, okay, I was so into house and my parents were built this little space underneath the steps where I had my play kitchen and I had little things and and I was just so privileged to have just a lot of uh, ability to have time in that space and expression. And then my parents would humor me and eat my fake food and things like that. Uh, this helps kids learn how you stir things and how you uh, lay babies down for naps and all of those things that we understand both as problems that we need to figure out how we fit into them and what we can do in order to solve them and also how we exist in our social societal understanding culturally. And so it's really interesting when you go cross-culturally to see the different ways that kids play, a lot of it's really universal. You know, humanity is so universal. It's very clear to me that there's a creator when you look cross-culturally and see the way 
way that we all interact within families and within kind of tribal systems, if you will, and uh, the care and concern and attachment that we just talked about that's uh, within individuals and people within those spaces. So kids learn how to do that. That is something, some parts of it are natural or nature, if you will, and other parts are learned or nurture. And so kids get to practice that. So this ability to uh, do it with other children is really valuable. So when we get together in a classroom or a play date or uh, just kids out in the neighborhood playing, that is helps them learn how to interact with people. They don't know how to naturally be friends. That's a learned skill and they practice it. And then we as adults give them some feedback in it, but let them learn and grow in it. The same thing with forgiveness and grace. Kids don't know how to confess and apologize and then offer forgiveness. And so that happens within play. And when it happens within play, I think it makes it stickier because there's a layer of grace involved in playing in something and learning through that. That doesn't always come when we just mess up in our regular lives, if you will. And so that those are two really powerful things, problem solving and social understanding that come through play. Do you guys have any thoughts before we go to the next one? I know when I started babysitting and then when we, uh, when my husband and I watched our nieces and nephews last summer for a week, uh, I had to learn a lot of those things over again because of the way that I process through problems and the way that my nieces and nephews process through problems. Uh, it was really fun to, to, to let, I don't know, regress in my problem solving, mm -hmm. uh, mindset, I guess. And, and, and to see it through a kid's eyes, it was, it was so fun, uh, and actually really enlightening for how I process through things now as, as an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, kids, they have, um, sometimes more steps than we do and sometimes less steps than we do. And so it's really cool to learn about ourselves when we interact with kids of all ages. You know, I think that's a great gift that God gives us. Um, so speaking of, that's the, the fifth thing is this, a sense of self or this sense of self-expression. So we understand who we are and we understand who we are in Christ uh, in play, especially when we're in a Christian home and the word is shared regularly. That's a really cool aspect of a plane where we know, you know, whether we want to be a mommy or a daddy, if that's a, a work of vocation we enjoy, or if we end up counseling all of our stuffed animals as we lay them out on the bed, you know, then <laughs> we kind of discover the things that we enjoy and we understand more about who we are as a person and who God has made us to be as unique individuals. You know, we have that identity in Christ, firm and secure. That's our true identity. But we have layers of us personally on top of that gifts and talents that God has given us. And we learn a lot of that through play. And that's why kids especially need a lot of space for playing, because if we don't get that, what's important to us and kind of work that out for ourselves, then when we become adolescents and we're interacting with a world that's not always kind, um, and is telling us who we are, if you will, when we're about 13 or so, then we will really struggle uh, because we didn't have the opportunity to sort that out internally um, and then have supportive adults around us who help us sort it out externally a little bit as well. But that's part of play. Give them time and space. They're, they're going to pretend things that you might be even a little uncomfortable with, and you can have conversations about that. But let's have grace-filled conversations because that's part of them learning 
who they are and what they value and how we value things differently in Christ Jesus, if, if you will. Like things like weapons and things like that often make us uncomfortable, but we'll talk about that more in play therapy. I think that is in a couple weeks or next week, something. <laughs> okay, I mean, so yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, was, I mentioned Legos earlier, but even stuff as simple as like pipe cleaners have become everything in our home. So I... <laughs> It, it, it's amazing what you can, what, what imagination and what you can build and, and, and dream with as a kid. Mm -hmm. All right. So now we have just a couple of minutes left. Uh, we've talked about self-expression um, onto the next, the, is this the last topic mm -hmm. for it's today? The last okay. one. Look at us. Yeah. We're going to get them all in. And so the last <laughs> one, and you can see how these all overlap a lot. And if anybody has questions about them and how they see them in a specific age range or something like that, like know that we're going to talk about these things more, but also you can always connect with me um, at HeidiGaiman.com on the about page and ask some different questions about it too. Um, but telling our stories and understanding our stories is so powerful. I cannot emphasize this enough. Like we could have a whole Mental Health Monday series on telling our stories and, and the psychological as well as the very spiritual aspects of that. And so this is one reason play therapy is really powerful. And we'll talk about that more, like I said, in another episode. But kids will play out what is happening in their lives in order to process it. And so they do this very naturally, very, very naturally. And so you'll see them, again, say things that we might be uncomfortable with um, or things that we really love. Like they're, you know, uh, one of my son's pretending to be a pastor, like every pastor mm. dad loves that, right? <laughs> but that's part of telling their story and understanding their context that they're in. And this is one of the most powerful things we can do to build resilience in children, because later on in life, when we really need to be able to tell our story and understand it through the hard and the broken things of life, um, we have been, we have been, had built inside of us a way to do that, if you will, even if that's simple imagination in our heads or learning how to put a timeline together, if you will, of our lives so that we can see something kind of concrete when life feels topsy-turvy. Uh, that's a really powerful aspect of play. And we do that within social relationships too. So helping uh, another playmate understand why we do something the way we do it. That's a learned skill. And then when we are in a, our vocations later on, when we're in our jobs and professions, we can be able to tell them also why we do what we do. You know, that's part of who we are and that's part of our stories and building those stories. So Deaconess Heidi I love Gaiman, play. Mental Health <laughs> Monday, Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. We do too. And now I'm going to go build a fort or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us for the coffee hour. <laughs> thanks. See you next time. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Don't